Hey, Business Building Warrior, welcome to the weekend update. If you're listening to this episode right when it came out, it's Saturday. And what we like to do on Saturdays is still work. A lot of us work six days and rest one. Hey, good enough for God, good enough for us. That's the way he created the whole universe, right? So we're working on a Saturday, sure, but why not take along a great update, a podcast episode that we've gone back and reviewed from maybe two weeks, six weeks, six months ago. We've got hundreds of great interviews. So what we do on the weekends is we go back, we find those great episodes that maybe slipped past your radar or some of those great insights and tips and strategies from some of the successful students and just kind of break it down into little easily digested nuggets for your weekend update. So that's what we're going to do today. And we're going to dive into that in just a moment after I make a couple of announcements. First, if you haven't got a free copy yet of the brand new, all new, our 11th update of the Silent Sales Machine book. This is the book that started this podcast. It started our community, the 73,000 members of our free Facebook group, our incredible events. It all started because I sat down about 20 years ago and wrote a book over a weekend. It was actually just a PDF report at the time. And it took off. And it started this incredible movement that is now thousands of business building warriors all over the world. It wasn't because of anything that I did. I was just making some observations and sharing what others had taught me. I kind of compiled the information into one place with the premise of, hey, you can use the internet to grow the business of your dreams. And here's the rules I'm kind of discovering. Here's some of the things you should avoid I was discovering. And there's a group of us, we just kind of compiled this information and kept learning new things. Well, I've updated it. And the 11th update is now available. All the stuff you should avoid, the legitimate opportunities that are available to you, the mindset that's required in order to tackle these opportunities, a lot of very specific strategic advice on using the internet to launch and grow the business of your dreams, multiple income streams, using the internet creatively. That's the book. So go to silentsalesmachine.com and you can see more about it. Or you can text the word free, that's F-R-E-E, to this phone number. It'll be in the show notes as well today. The phone number is 507-800-0090. Now, if you happen to live outside the United States or Canada, that might not work for you. So just email our support team. There's a link at silentgym.com and say, hey, heard Jim make that free offer. Assuming the free offer is still around, which it will expire at some point. But now as we're launching the book, we wanted to give it away for free. That's a great opportunity for you. So there's that. And I also want to remind you, if you're new around here, this podcast is the supporting podcast for the leading Amazon seller training in the industry. I'm talking about the Proven Amazon course at provenamazoncourse.com. It's the longest running Amazon seller training in the industry with more success stories than any other, a bigger support team. There's about a hundred of us that support that course. All kinds of creative modules for every level of Amazon seller experience. You, if, if you know nothing about Amazon, you know nothing about e-commerce, we got you. If you've already got a 50,000, 100,000, a million dollar a month business, there's ideas in there I guarantee you have never been exposed to that could improve your business. So for $39 a month, RuvenAmazonCourse.com gets you a library of content that grows with you. We believe in just-in-time education, which means right when you need it, we got that next thing that you need and it's in there. And then we've got our free Facebook group support community at silentgym.com that's there to help you as well if you want to check that out. So that's the introduction for 
this weekend update. Let's go find out what the team has put together for us today. Enjoy this episode. We'll have brand new episodes for you starting at the beginning of the week. So don't miss those. Hey, have a great weekend. God bless you, warrior. Let's jump into the content. The story really starts with my husband. He's in, I'll be honest, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for my husband. Um, He's an integral part of the business. And the story really starts with him. In 2016, uh, he quit his job and started selling on eBay and Craigslist full-time. And I will admit, I was not supportive. Like, you were I was, a skeptic. I was not the supportive wife. <laughs> oh no. It's big of <laughs> I, you to admit that. Well, I know that I, I've seen a lot of posts in the group where people have unsupportive wives. And so I guess my advice to the, those people would be stick with it because you know your wife or your husband might come around. But... I come from a really traditional background. I was an employee through and through. I had a solid job in the tech industry, um, was climbing the corporate ladder. And so in my mind, like I had no frame of reference for entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in my mind, I was like, you know, that's not a real job. Like there, you, there's no way you can make real money <laughs> reselling. And it just, it didn't make any sense to me. So I was just not supportive. Fast forward a couple of months or so, there was one afternoon where he was playing a video game and I was kind of getting on to him. I was bothering him about spending money on that video game. I'm just like, just you need to get a real job. And why are you buying video games? And at that same moment, his phone, you know, so on eBay, there it makes that cha-ching sound when you sell something. Sure. I remember that app. Yeah. Cha-ching. His phone went off, made that cha-ching sound, and the cost of the the sale was like the exact amount of what it cost to, to buy the video game. <laughs> That's hilarious. Was he like, see? <laughs> yeah. He was just like, well, now you can stop bothering me because it's saved for the video game. That's funny. And, it's, and this was this is say 2016, you say, when all this was kind of going down? Yeah, about between, yeah, about 2016, 2017, around there. Okay. So that kind of, well, one, it shut me up. And (laughs) (laughs) uh, it opened my eyes. I I would say that was a turning point to me kind of realizing like, oh, well, maybe there is something here. Because I did see that he he was sticking with it. It wasn't a fad. And he was actually making money Mm -hmm. doing it. Um, He was, we were paying our bills with it and and so I saw okay well maybe there is actually something here and and maybe I need to be less closed minded about it so he was on eBay then how much how much time was he putting in what was he selling i mean just for a little background we don't just spend a lot of time here but you know what was he flipping one time finds sort of thing yard sales or retail or what was he doing yeah Pretty much everything, used clothing, shoes, go to yard sales, estate sales. Gotcha. Um, I would go with him mostly just so I could go shopping for myself. <laughs> but yeah, so that, and it was a grind, as I'm sure a lot of people know, eBay eBay can be a grind. He was doing it all himself. So Yeah, it, it's really hard to scale an eBay operation. It's uh, for reasons that most people know, but if they're new listeners to this show, we'll get into those reasons and kind of the contrast between that treasure hunt model that Eric is describing right now and selling on Amazon, which is what you guys have, have grown into. 
over time. I'll not bog you down with the, the details. So fast forwarding a couple of years, he was still doing that. I was starting to become a little bit more unfulfilled at my job. I was just, I felt like I was hitting the ceiling. I felt like there was more challenge out there for me. And by then I had grown accustomed to entrepreneurship. I was learning more about what entrepreneurship was. And I was just like, hey, why don't I try to <laughs> try my hand at it? Hindsight's always 2020, but I quit my job in 2018 um, to join him in that reselling. Wow. Well, what were the numbers at that point? What, how big a leap did you guys make? If you don't mind sharing, there's no pressure, obviously. No, it's fine. We So to caveat this, we bought a, an ugly house out in the country and cut our expenses in half just so we could you know, afford to, to do this. Now, hindsight, you know, financially, maybe it wasn't the best decision. I didn't end up having to go back to get a job, but I would not take that back. Like I would not change that decision for anything. I learned so much. I fell on my face every day. I failed every day. It was very difficult. Just changing my mindset from that of an entre- from that of a, an employee to that of an entrepreneur, it was difficult, but it was worth it. You know, you the most recent picture on my cell phone, I'm going to hold it up to the screen. If you're listening, I'm going to read it to you. It's just a little quote. I took this picture about an hour and a half ago before we did this podcast. It just jumped out at me. And you just said, what's here? And it says, and I'll hold it up to the screen as proof in a second. I just pulled it up on my phone. Failure is not the opposite of success. It's part of success. Failure is not the opposite of success. It's part of success. I don't know if you can kind of see that on my screen. For those who are watching on YouTube, I can see it. Everyone else, you can just hear me say it. But I love that that transition from the traditional job, go to work mentality, where failure is disastrous. That's death to your your journey up the corporate ladder, right? You don't want to fail. Unless you're, I would argue, in some kind of government role where it's kind of rewarded and encouraged at times almost, it seems. But in the real world, failure actually damages your prospects. As an entrepreneur, you need to embrace failure. And failure teaches you lessons. And you just said it brilliantly, Erica. You are falling on your face constantly and you're grateful for it because of what it instilled in you and the appreciation I've got to imagine in many other ways that I'm sure you could expand upon. But I had to interrupt you and just point out that I couldn't agree more. Learning to fail often, not to the point of devastating yourself or your family, but little failures, little things, little recoverable failures. I mean, that's all working out really is. It's making your muscles fail so that they're capable of handling more later. Athletes understand this. So well done. I love it. And I just love how that was a pivot point that you chose in your story, going from climbing the corporate to feeling a little burnout to like, hey, I got to embrace this failure thing. This is actually good for me to fail in little ways and learn some, learn some lessons. Beautifully said. Thank you. Yeah, it wasn't easy. I mean, when you're in the middle of it, you feel like the world is ending, mm-hmm. you know. But <laughs> when you look back on it, you're really grateful and appreciative for those moments because you can see how much you've grown, you know, from from those learning lessons. It so. sounds like you guys learned a lot together, and it uh, sounds like you did a lot of work on an old house that you <laughs> were thinking. What were we thinking? <laughs> a lot of our friends were like, "What are you thinking?" <laughs> That's great. <laughs> We ended up finding Amazon and we started selling books on Amazon around 2019. And uh, that was going well. So we were doing Amazon and eBay. And then COVID happened in 2020. 
and it just kind of destroyed our our businesses. We couldn't go to stores anymore. We couldn't go to library sales. Um, everything just you know shut down. And so that was when we were like, okay, well, we need to kind of pivot and really figure out what what we want to do here. Um, so I committed to finding a job, like going back to work. And luckily, I had a lot of connections in the tech industry still. So it was relatively easy for me to find a job. And then uh, my husband committed to like, okay, you're going to find a job. I'll find another way um, to make this reselling thing work. And so that was when we found Hack. And that really changed our lives. Wow. That's super cool. I had no idea. I love that. I really like where this story is going now. But could we spend some time on books for just a moment? Because I want to talk to anyone out there who's thinking, oh, books is where you start. Well, kind of, maybe, yeah. Uh, But the long-term storage fees on Amazon have made books pretty difficult for the past several years. I don't know of anyone who's doing books at scale successfully on Amazon right now. There's a lot of factors working against you. But we do have a brand new course. I don't know if you've even caught word of this, Erica. Very inexpensive course at provenamazoncourse.com slash safe book profits. That's three words, safe book profits. And it teaches you how to sell your books in bulk to big book buyers, not Amazon. But you just box them all up. I don't know if you guys have a bunch of books or not, but you just basically go through and fill a box and like, hey, what's this worth to you guys? And they'll say, hey, it's worth 120 bucks for those you know, 43 books. You, you know, ship them to us. And you get rid of all your books fast. And there's people doing that as a business model now, just selling to these third-party book buyers. And that course steps you through how the process works, how to source the books, et cetera. So since you brought up books, I wanted to hit that. And you were shaking your head, no, you don't have any more books. I don't either. I don't do books anymore. I mean, an occasional book. And books can be a decent replan at times. It's like there's a hardware store near you and you've got that little book section. One of those books might be a good flip. You buy one or two or three a month and you sell one or two or three a month at a nice profit. But in general, books, you know, we used to say it's a good way to start. We kind of discourage that now. We do have a new course, and we'll stick a link to that in the show notes. Not to interrupt your story too much, but you brought up books. I wanted to make sure and be thorough on that topic for folks. So you got away from you were you were playing with books. You were going back to your job. Your husband was selling some books and such. You know, pick up the story from there. Yep, I went back to work. My husband found. Uh, the replens course uh, pack. We bought pack and we were like, you know what? It's $30. I think it was $30 at the time. What do we have to lose? You know, if it, if it doesn't work, we're out $30. But so we kind of proved, we found it, found pack November of 2020. We proved out the concept around, you know, November, December. And we were pretty surprised at how fast we got results. And so then we were like, all right, well, this works. January 2021, we're just, we went all in. Really? That fast? Mm-hmm. So when you say all in, were you still working? I was still working, yes. Okay. But this became his full-time gig. The, yeah. the replens system, the proven Amazon course, the pack became... Now, what I'd love to, to just pause here for a moment and have you contrast. And you know, maybe put, if your husband was here, how would he phrase that period where you up, up until... January 2021, where you you're finding things and flipping them one at a time, to what it's like to be a replan seller. Like, what are the differences that you guys have observed, and just the reality of the two different models? Because from my vantage point, they're completely different models. 
I would say, I think the biggest thing, we we didn't have to go on an Easter egg hunt every time or a treasure treasure hunt every time. I had a list of items. Well, once I found the items, I had a list of ongoing items that I could just buy. And it took a lot less energy, emotion, time, headache. <laughs> it cut down. It was a lot more efficient, I, I guess I could say too. There's almost an element of it being boring is the observation I sometimes make. Sometimes people don't like to say that about a business model. But to me, those are the stable models you want to be in, the boring stuff. <laughs> Right. Like, tell us about some of the boring things you got. I'm assuming at this point you've sold some some brand weird, boring stuff that became good replens for you. Like, give us a couple examples if anything comes to mind. Soup, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So you guys are in grocery quite a bit. Yes. Yeah. So we were 100% grocery, pretty much like Walmart grocery, and so. Starting of January 2021, we did, we did, were determined to send in a shipment once a week. And so I would work full-time. We would go to Walmart, source after work, sometimes until 11 o'clock at night, and then rinse and repeat throughout the week. And then the weekend, we would pack our own boxes and then ship them out and do that week over week. And we did that for about five or six months. And we were able to uh, grow up to $10,000 a month in sales by doing that. However, we were also burnt out and we kind of were just like, all right, we need to to take a break and kind of slow down a bit because it was just a lot with me working full time. And then, you know, that was my life. Right. Yeah. Your whole life was work, either work, job or the Amazon business with your husband and yeah, and you guys are doing it just the two of you. But it was a $10,000 a month revenue. What was your net margins if you happen to recall back there? I'm assuming we're talking about like mid 2021, correct? Yes, they were They were really... I think they were pretty good around there, around that time. Yeah, around 20. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm saying uh, the year was 2021. Oh, yeah, yes. Sorry. And what was your net margins in that year? Oh. Approximately. If I mean, just, you know... It, Best of your recollection. It's been a couple of years ago. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not That's sure. Okay. That's okay. That's okay. Whatever numbers you do know, maybe you can fire them over to us. I'll put it in the introduction later. But it was profitable. It was. Yes, it was. I, and I'm. I know they were. I know they were pretty good. Um, I'm just not 100 percent sure what they were. I mean, typical. Most people who are following the, the program, it's going to be somewhere between if you're doing all the work yourself as a married couple, let's say. And you're about ten thousand to thirty thousand dollars. It's typically going to be on the low end, eighteen to twenty percent net margin, up to around thirty percent, depending on how picky you are about the inventory you select. Just to give people an idea, and I imagine your numbers were somewhere in that ballpark following the program. I believe so. <laughs> yeah, sounds right. Sounds about right, huh? So you know, somewhere around six thousand dollars, somewhere between five and six thousand dollars net profit a month. We slowed down a lot. We ended up selling our house. We moved to another city. So things slowed down a lot. Um, Our sales also slowed down a lot because we just... Our priorities were elsewhere. And I was kind of getting comfortable with having having a job again. And so I was just kind of doing that again and, and kind of falling back into that. But we did end up getting a coach towards the end of 2021, uh, Jessica Decker. And 
we knew that we wanted to switch from RA to OA. And I guess going rewinding real quick, back in 2020, uh, we used to have, everyone was stuck in the house. Um, and so we used to fantasize about moving abroad. And um, we're just like, wouldn't it be cool if we could you know, move abroad and just kind of live location independently? I had done a lot of traveling in college and in high school abroad. And so that was just always something I always wanted to get back to. And so we thought, well, Amazon was definitely be gives us the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Business in your pocket, right? You can do the model we teach from anywhere in the world, regardless of what country you're from. You can travel. If you've got internet, you're good. So that was why I wanted Jessica as my coach, um, just to help with transitioning from from RA to OA. And uh, she was she was really amazing. I, I It was great having her as my coach. Yeah. Uh, we've, our coaching team is just crazy. For those who don't know, maybe we'll stick a link in the show notes to an episode with Jessica. But she's one of the, the moms on our team who's built a six-figure-per-month online arbitrage business that's almost hands-free because she's using a prep center. She's using virtual assistants. And it's just kind of scaled up to a beautiful level. And she has some time to do some great coaching for us as well. So yeah, she's a tremendous asset to the community. And I'll, like I said, I'll stick a link to one of her episodes in the show notes since you brought her up. And I didn't realize she was your coach. That's awesome. We've got such an amazing coaching team. So yeah, keep this keep the story going though. Just trying to fill in the gaps for the listeners. Definitely. Yeah. So even though I got a coach, I still I was still coasting during 2021. I was still, I guess I wasn't, I was still treating it like a side hustle. I wasn't really giving the business a lot of time and attention. And during that time, uh, I mismanaged our repricer. And so I guess this would be a tip for the, the listeners. It's important to, to understand how your repricer works and to be in your repricer every week. I <laughs> learned a, a tough lesson, an expensive lesson with my repricer. and. Yeah, it just wasn't fun. So dealing with dealing with that, but did you let some ASINs drop lower than you had intended, and they sold? Quite the opposite. So i I had my my mins and maxes weren't set correctly. The mins were set a little bit too high, to where when the buy box dropped below my min, my products were just sitting there, mm. not being repriced. Gotcha. So you had some stale inventory that wasn't moving because you didn't have your repricer set aggressively enough to to track that downward movement. That makes sense. Yeah. A lot of this game is knowing when to get out of an inventory. The beauty is you never have more than a month's worth. If you're following the program that we teach, you never, never have more than a month's worth of anything inventory-wise. But there will be times where it's time to liquidate out, take a maybe a small list, loss or break even or make less than you were hoping and get your cash back and put it into a good inventory. Uh, but yeah, if you just have stuff sitting there, did you start to get some storage fees? Storage fees. And then also when we finally realized what was happening, we had to liquidate so much inventory, we lost a lot of money. Like It was an expensive lesson. Again, one that stinks, but uh, a failure that I, I wouldn't take back because mm-hmm. I learned an important lesson. And now I'm on top of my repricer and I make sure that everything... Great job. Yeah. You can focus on the loss or you can focus on the lesson, as Jim Rohn says, right? And you just keep focusing on the lessons. (laughs) That's the path forward. 
Good work. Good work. So you're you're dialing in your repricer. You've got a coach. Keep us going. Are we up to 2022? Yes. So 2022, still working. Uh, the business hasn't really been growing. We were averaging between five and eight thousand uh, dollars in sales. I really wasn't really I wasn't paying much attention to it. But I went to the conference in Louisville in I think it was in July. I don't remember. Uh, maybe in the, later in the slightly later in the fall, I think this year, 2023, we're in July, theprovenconference.com. If anybody wants it, three words, theprovenconference.com, July 6th through 8th. So I think we were in the more towards the fall last year in Louisville. So you were at that event. And that reinvigorated my, the taste of freedom that I had when I quit my job the first time and we did eBay, that reinvigorated that like, feeling that I had like all oh, these entrepreneurs, they're doing it full time and they're loving their lives and they're successful and they wouldn't have it any other way. And I met so many amazing people that now like I have a mastermind group where we meet bi-weekly um, just from people I met at the conference. And so that That's really so good. My, my joy for or my desire for this. That's wonderful. I love hearing that story. What else stood out to you from that event, if anything? Were there any moments? Did you get to meet your coach, Jessica? I'm hoping you spent some time with her. I did. I did meet her. I gave her a big hug. <laughs> That's great. Um, I think I think the biggest, my biggest takeaway from that was just more so seeing all of the entrepreneurs who who were successful. And I I think for the first time I saw that you could actually do it and not yeah. like it was real. I think that mm-hmm. for me it was like it real I realized that it was really real and that people were actually doing it. And it wasn't um not that I I, I knew it, but I don't know. It was something tangible about it that kind of touched me. No, I, I definitely appreciate that. It's very validating. It just makes it all real to see a room full of people who are doing it. It kills whatever part of you is trying to say, oh, it's not possible. It'll never work. Well, here now here I'm in a room full of people who are doing it. <laughs> like, okay, I think maybe I'm the only hurdle that I need to get over here and let's do this. That's fantastic. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. There's something pretty invigorating about you know hundreds of people in the same room celebrating. Now, not everybody's where they want to be yet, obviously, but a lot of people are way ahead of where you are saying, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not necessarily all that smart or anybody else, but we're, here we are. This is our reality now. We've built a beautiful business. I'm going to shout out Sue Pruitt uh, because after the conference, she, well, her and, and uh, Larry, had, Larry. A, mm-hmm. had a breakout session where they talked about coming home. And, mm. and I talked to her after the conference and then I I uh, messaged her or after the conference ended I messaged her and asked if she could spare 30 minutes of her time just to talk to me about my my desire to quit I was very fearful I was terrified really because I had gotten comfortable at my job again and I got comfortable with you know having that paycheck and the health insurance and and so Sue really helped put things into perspective for me. And um, I think it's great that the community, even though she's not my coach, she's still accessible and I could reach out to her and and get some value from her. Oh, so. yeah, absolutely. I do that sort of thing all the time too. Uh, just reaching out, giving advice, bouncing things off of folks. 
the true benefit, I think, of getting into a coaching program is you now feel comfortable. I go, okay, I've jumped into the inner core here. Yeah, reach out to any coach, any leader, anyone you see posting something on the Facebook group. That that invitation is open for anyone, anytime. But we just know that if someone has paid us for coaching, they take what we're doing around here seriously. They've invested in themselves. So we love to pour back into them because we know it's going somewhere. We know that they're not, this isn't one of 50 things they're trying to do. It's, they're serious. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're available. And, and it's something else I love about our coaching program too, since we're just going to talk about it for a moment here, Erica, is you know we've been doing it coming up on 20 years, coming up on 10,000 students served. I hear from students that we served 15 years ago. They'll ping us and like, hey, can I get another session with you guys on this topic or that? Or I need some help. I'm kind of stuck here. Absolutely, let's go. No charge. Let's just spend some time together. Uh, we've, got an, we've got enough bandwidth in our lives and we're confident enough in the stuff we teach that once a coaching student, always a coaching student is a phrase we've said around here for years. And it's true. That's how we operate. Um, yeah, so absolutely take advantage of those opportunities to hang with some of the great leaders. You mentioned Larry and Sue. I know they had a very similar... I mean, they really talked and thought long and hard about going full-time into this, which makes them a tremendous asset for someone who's at that same stage. And Because uh, Larry left a pretty good job to go full-time and come home with Sue. And, and no looking back, it's been a long time ago now at this point. But I remember when they were at that stage. Yeah, she put things into perspective for me. It was great. That's fantastic. Yeah, the right people to talk to. However... No one tells you about Returnuary. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. That happened from Q4. And so we really got slammed. Because uh, <laughs> were you guys doing clothes? Yeah. Clothes are tricky, especially around holidays. <laughs> yeah. What was your return rate? What did you end up doing with them? Return rates, I don't know the exact percentage. More I than you wanted. High. Yeah. The good thing is, is that a lot of the returns are resellable. So even though, Absolutely. yeah, even though it wipes us out for the time being, we we end up reselling them anyways. Yeah, if they're good replims, they're going to sell again. Another thing that hurt us, or has been hurting us, and maybe you can give me some advice on this, is we we have a really high sales average sales price. Our average sales price is about sixty dollars. Nice. A lot of high ticket items. And so when we get a return for $100, $200, it just it wipes us out, um, all our profit out for that day. And so that's been hard. What we've been doing is, well, we're, we're no longer going to be sourcing clothing and shoes. We're going to try and focus on sourcing in categories with lower returns. Also, we're going to try and start sourcing items that are not as expensive or not not as high in, in sales. And so maybe not sell a $100 item, but more $30 items or $20 items. But- yeah. Well, you, what, you're, what you're starting to notice is the big picture. A, it, instead of a single day snapshot, that you, you used an interesting phraseology just a moment ago. I want to point out to you, Erica, that it just kind of wipes out that day. Well, any given day doesn't really matter a whole lot. It's a month at a time that you want to look at, right? Or a week at a time as, as, as the most granular you ever look at your business is maybe a week at a time. Because if you're so focused on, oh, look, I just made a sale. I'm excited. Ching says the app. Like, yay, let's let's go to a nice lunch. And then, oh, we just got a refund for $300 on something we sold two weeks ago. Cancel the lunch plans. Like, You can't live your life that way. 
you've got to take a bigger picture view. So going into it, like if you know, if you were a retailer, one of the things they would tell you, like, okay, you're gonna open this store. You're gonna have an eight percent, depending on what part of the city you set up your store in and and what kind of demographic you're serving, you're gonna have a either an eight percent shoplifting rate or maybe up to a 15% shoplifting rate. Like that's just built into the model. Right. Like, you know, you you set up in a touristy area, you're gonna see stuff getting broke, your store is going to be a little dirtier and you know it's going to be harder to maintain different parts of town, different kinds of products that you sell. Those things are known, industry averages. So with shoes and clothes, you're going to get X percent of returns. It's going to happen. So the day where you sold $1,000 worth of stuff, well, really you only sold $800 worth of stuff because we're going to have some returns. And I don't know exactly what those ratios are off the top of my head, industry averages, but you just got to factor that in. And is it still profitable? And if so, you continue to do it. And you don't look at any given sale or any given return as killing or boosting any given day. You've got to look at the big picture numbers as a business owner. That's one of the lessons you'll learn as an entrepreneur over time. It'll get pounded into you over time is the video, the movie of a month matters more than the snapshot of time of, oh, look, big sale. I'm happy right now. Uh, because you're just on a roller coaster if you do it. And it's hard not to. It's hard not to refresh your app and celebrate a good sales day. But really, in the big picture of things, that it's not that significant. A single good day or a single bad day, It's you got to keep the big picture in mind to drive that point home. So yeah, there's categories. The highest return rate categories are shoes and clothes, especially in gift-giving season, Christmas. Right? Because people will buy stuff for each other and then here it comes back. But the good news is it's not a true full return. Like you just said, you can flip it. We've got a service in our community that I'm, you guys have probably heard of at this point, Erica, I'm guessing. But at silentgym.com, I'm making myself a note. Silentgym.com slash returns. You can have your returns sent there and they'll put that stuff on eBay for you. So a lot of our international traveling students, people who don't want stuff stacking up on their front porch, they'll say, hey, just send it to those guys. They'll sell on eBay, split whatever money we make. So that $100 pair of shoes that you got back, okay, we didn't get the full sale, but we can still sell it a couple months from now for 60 bucks on eBay and, and get some cash out of it, at least get our investment back that way without having to mess with it. So there's creative things you can start to do. But in general, yes, people do tend to get most frustrated about returns in the two categories that it sounds like you guys were focused on. There's some great replans. There's some great inventory in there. It's very profitable, but you got to have a plan for your returns. And you you don't want to celebrate too soon if you're in one of those categories. You celebrate 60 days after. (laughs) Once you know how it shook out is when you know your numbers. So I don't know how much that's helpful to you, Erica, but uh, you've got to reduce business down to numbers as best you can and remove emotion as best you can while you're analyzing what you're really looking at rather than letting returns get you down and chase you out of a category that actually was quite profitable if you can manage the the emotional roller coaster of it does that make sense as i as i lay it out that way yeah that makes a lot of sense and that's that's very helpful cuz i think i was getting emotional about it and just like oh this this stinks <laughs> and mm-hmm. just not wanting to deal with it at all but reduce it to a number it may or may not make sense right. try to reduce it all to a number if possible. <laughs> you know, the, the, the fr- frustrating part about returns is sometimes people will send you like used pair of shoes when you know they kept the new ones and sent you and like, what's wrong with people? Like that part is hard to reduce to a number. It's just like, are you kidding me? What's wrong with some humans? Uh, so that, that can be very frustrating. 
But do your best, like I said, reduce it to a number and make math-based decisions. But I can tell you, I know a good number of people who used to be far more excited about clothing and shoes than they are now. And they've drifted into other categories. But there's plenty of people who are cleaning up behind them, doing great, flipping those returns on eBay or figuring out another way to sell it as used on Amazon or whatever. But uh, yeah, keep finding more replens. That's the solution every time. Keep finding more replens, right? Yeah, so we're sorting through that still. Another thing that really hurt us was... So I had alluded to uh, our my repricer mishap. We're mm-hmm. still dealing with... Like I, we're just still dealing with some inventory that I'm, I'm still selling through at a loss, so that kind of hurts a little bit too. But we're we're nearing the end of those. But honestly, I, I'm really looking forward to the future. I I think that the future looks bright, and oh, it definitely uh, does. We're really focused on sourcing just better prof- products that are in those categories with lower. Re- returns and just staying positive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Keep learning, staying positive. And this branches off into so many other opportunities. And I'm not sure how much you want to share with this, although I'd love to hear as much as you're comfortable sharing about what your plans are now. You said you had the dream to travel and, and, you know, talk us through that a little bit. Yeah. So we, when we decided like, let's maybe think about what it would look like to move abroad. We put those plans in place. And we're... It just... It feels like it's happening really fast. But even though we've been talking about it for a couple of years, in May of this year, 2023, my husband and I and our cat and our dog will be going to Mexico. Um, We're going to be moving there full time. And we're really, really excited to... That's amazing. Yeah, we're ex- we're so excited. We're yeah. going to leverage the uh, lower cost of living, so doing some geographical arbitrage, <laughs> and but continue focus on growing our business and learning. That's tremendous. Yeah, I mean, we we said, and you're taking it very seriously. You, as long as you've got internet, you can do this business from anywhere. That's mm-hmm. why we have students all over the world doing this, buying and selling primarily in the United States from anywhere in the world. And you guys are taking it serious and making the leap. That's tremendous. What what area are you going to live in? Tell us a little bit about why it's appealing to you and, and what your plans are. So we're moving to Merida, Mexico, which is about three or four hours west. Uh, yeah, west of Cancun. It's So if you think of uh, Louisiana, it's directly south of Louisiana um, across okay. And it's 30 minutes from the Gulf. So I've never lived that close to a large body of water like that. So I'm looking forward to that. The weather is beautiful. It's hot all year round. I'm originally from Buffalo, New York, where we get like eight feet of snow. (laughs) Yeah, you're ready to leave that part of your life behind, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah, I'm looking forward to living in a hot place. I mean, I live in Georgia now, so it's, it's hot, but... I'm looking forward to just having that kind of weather and the people there are so nice and the culture is so great. So That's incredible. Any any prospects so far of finding inventory that you can maybe send back to the state? Is that part of your plan as well? That that was a thought that crossed our mind. We're thinking of primary so yeah, we're thinking of doing maybe a little bit of RA there and potentially even sending it to a Mexican fulfillment center and then also 
sending, like buying things in Mexico and sending it to the United States. Um, there's so many opportunities. There's also so many expats that live there. Oh, for sure. Looking for American products um, mm-hmm. in, in Mexico. And so even that like opportunity is really big. And so it's really helpful that I have a prep center as well. So I can, we can continue to kind of build and leverage our prep center. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. For those who don't know what a prep center is, it's a necessary piece of this whole story because you got someone else managing your inventory for you, basically. So all of our international students use prep centers. They get online, they shop on websites, they have their stuff sent to a US-based prep center. A prep center sends it into Amazon for them. That's the way the process works. PrepCenterNetwork.com is the website that you'll need. I'll stick that in the show notes as well and make myself a note so people can go look at that. It's a free service we provide to our listeners of all the known prep centers. If you know of one that's not on there, let us know. If you know of some Mexican prep centers, Erica, that you start working with, let us know. We'll stick them on there, get them into that prep center network. But it sounds like you've got a, a, a bright future, a solid plan. You've built some tremendous relationships. And you sound pretty confident about the plan you guys have. And now I kind of know why you're not sure about being at the event in July, because just a 60 days or so before that, you'll be making a pretty big move. Although it's not a big deal to get back and forth from the Mexico to the United States. It's just not. Uh, it's pretty easy back and forth. And I don't think... Do you even need a passport? You do. It's safe. Better if you do. Right. For sure. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it, as an American traveling back and forth, all you need is a passport and get back and forth as much as you want. So yeah, I was telling you, be safe before we started the recording today. But it sounds like you guys are going to a really safe, great area with, like you said, a lot of uh, expats, a lot of people, you know, former Americans uh, moving down that way and people from all over the world taking advantage of the differences in the economy. You know, the U.S. dollar goes very far there. It's a huge opportunity. I think one thing that I struggled with early on and I want to share with others is I used to compare myself to other sellers. Um, a lot. And then it was just, it would just make me depressed because I would see like, oh, all these people are doing better than me. Jim Rohn has a quote, uh, don't wish it were easier, wish you were better. Ooh, I and love that. Yeah. I, I love listening to him. I do too. But I realized that there's always going to be someone doing better than me. There's always going to be someone doing worse than me. Um, I just need to focus on improving my skills, getting better at the journey in front of me rather than focusing on what other people are doing because yeah. everyone is in their own lane. And like Sally's journey is different than my journey because she needs to learn the lessons that she needs to learn. Yeah, I need to learn lessons that I need to learn. So I need to focus on not comparing myself and just focus on growing and focus on getting better. And so comparing yeah. really... I love that. One of the dangers, I think, of focusing on others who are more successful than you and being discouraged by it, so you decide to block them out almost, is you forfeit the opportunity to be inspired by them and to learn from them. And so instead of resenting their success and thinking, oh, you know, they must have gotten some kind of lucky break somewhere, you know, there's, you know, there's got to be something behind it, or just saying, you know what, it just discourages me when I see other people succeed beyond me. I just feel, I feel deflated. You got to address that because those are some pretty interesting people to hang out with. Some pretty good people that can help you learn some lessons without running into brick walls. It's like, hey, you know what? Pump the brakes here. Let's try this instead. I was right where you are a couple of years ago and I already learned this lesson. So you don't have to learn it the hard way. 
that that's really what you say when you when you reject people out of your life who are more successful than you is you're basically saying I want to learn every lesson the hard way. <laughs> like really? Okay. Well, that's your choice. Uh, but oh, I love that. That's a great tip. Uh, you know, you are in control of your own journey. Uh, something else Jim Rohn says. Another one of my favorites. Going off that theme of quoting Jim Rohn today, but he says, uh, "Set out to be a millionaire, not so you can have a million dollars, although that's nice." But so you can be the kind of person who's capable of making a million dollars, because that's a journey. That's an incredible journey that will challenge you. I love that. It's not about how many commas and zeros are in the bank at the end of the day. It's about the kind of person you become, making something like that happen. The skills you pick up and the people you meet and the relationships and the value you provide to the world. Yeah, a very valuable journey for sure. And love it. piggyback off of that, which kind of goes into my next, my next tip, is to become the type of person who can have that kind of business or to become the type of person who has a seven-figure Amazon business, you have to be okay with failing. Mm-hmm. And we talked about failing early on um, in the interview, but I wanted to kind of come back to it because failure has been such a huge part of my journey. And I've kind of had to learn how to get comfortable with being uncomfortable because I know that's where the most growth happens and that's failing true. is part of that. And And so in the moment, you're going to think, that the world is ending, but really the, the most successful person has had the most failures. And um, oh, that's so brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Refusing to fail is you, you're quitting. I don't want to fail. You know, you've just basically quit. Yeah. You've decided to lead a very small life, especially the age we live in with the internet. You can fail constantly in small ways that don't ultimately hurt you all that much at all, but you're on the journey of learning some incredible lessons. Mm-hmm. Well said. Yeah, I love that theme. You've, you've definitely got the heart and the determination, and the mindset. Uh, you've learned the hard lessons. I can't wait to see where you guys are six months or a year from now. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit SilentGym.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.